welcome into a not so special edition of Sportball. I'm your boy Sam. With me, as always, are Seth and Kyle. How are we doing today, boys? Good. Much better intro. Yeah, I'm feeling great. Especially That's all I had to say this whole time to make you guys feel good. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with uh, with the Nets from the uh, city of Brooklyn. I don't think Brooklyn's a city; it's a borough. Check yourself, please. Uh, yeah, that's that's what we'll be discussing for the majority of this podcast, the big James Harden trade. We all knew it was coming, but it was even more wild than we could have anticipated. So I was telling the guys in the Discord, set outside two hours, this is an airing of our grievances, a festivus, an NBA festivus of sorts. <laughs> no, we'll still keep it tight for our listeners, but that is what we're discussing most of the time. And then at the end, a little treat for you, we'll preview the uh, championship games. Um, in the NFL. What a treat. <laughs> we gave him one treat already this week when we posted our pick, our picks on uh, Instagram for everyone to Incredible graphic. on. And Sam, congrats to you, 444. Good work. Thank you. Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time. It certainly didn't happen the first weekend, so. <laughs> yep. Um, so let's just dive right into this Harden trade. I don't want to know about your personal lives. I just want to know about how you feel about this Harden trade. So I'm just going to go through what each team got, and it's quite lengthy, so give me a second here. <clears throat> this ended up being a four-team deal. The Brooklyn Nets get James Harden and somehow a second-round pick in this from the Cavs. The Rockets get three unprotected firsts, 2022, 2024, and 2026. Four pick swaps, 2021, 2023, 2025, 2027. So basically – Every year until 2027, they either get Brooklyn's pick or they get to swap with them. Okay. They also got a Bucks first in 2022 from the Cavs. So that'll be a late first, we assume. <clears throat> they also got Victor Old Depot, which we'll get to in a second, Dante Axum, and Rodian's Karaks. Karooks, I believe, actually. Sorry. Karooks. And the Pacers. I think it is. Yeah. Correct. Thank you. The Pacers got Karis LeVert. They basically switched Victor Oladipo for Karis LeVert and a second rounder. The Cavs of Cleveland get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. It must be asked, best um, best move for the Cavs since getting LeBron back? Probably. Now, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot to unpack, and we will begin unpacking for sure. But I wanted to start with I think there's there's a couple huge questions here. Number one being, did the Rockets get enough for this? Um, we did not get my favorite trade that I wanted and yearned for, Ben Simmons for James ben Harden, Simmons. which was, by all accounts, on the table, and they started haggling over what else would be coming from Philly. Reports were that it was between Thibel and Maxi, Tyrese Maxi, and Philadelphia did, did not want to give up Maxi. Either one of those for James Harden is outrageous. Let's just start by that, honestly. Do you think the Sixers made a big mistake by getting too cute in those negotiations? Because I do. 100%. 100%. If you're already going to give up Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thybul isn't aren't going to be players that are going to win you a championship. Yeah. They're role players, definitely. Thybul can't shoot. Maxey has looked good in his 15 games in the league, but... To say, oh, that's too much for James Harden. What do they I think? Do? Yeah, I think if you're, if you want to get Harden, then 
Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel shouldn't be what prevents you. Like having to keep those players shouldn't be what prevents you from doing right. that. Especially after you're already saying, we'll give you Ben. Right. But I wonder if I wonder if both sides were kind of getting cold feet for different reasons. Um, mm. I don't know why Philly would be getting cold feet, but Houston maybe just kind of preferred the Nets offer because of the more picks, right? Because you know we know their pick cabinet pick cabinet is bare because of that debacle of throwing in a bunch of picks to get Westbrook for Chris Paul, who is the worst player. Um, so they obviously were starved for picks. And maybe they thought that it's going to take a long time to build around Simmons and we aren't guaranteed that he can be the best player in a championship team given his playoff contention in recent years. I think that's bullshit. I would have taken Simmons. But, you know, maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't know. So maybe maybe both sides just got cold feet at the end, you know? So here's the thing, too, from this – I guess, do you guys have anything more to say on the, the Philadelphia side? Because my transition kind of, this will kind of transition into the actual trade. And Seth, yeah, I, I think, has gonna, one more thought. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, maybe Philly just felt like they're not going to take another offer. We're offering the best thing. They want Ben Simmons. No one else can offer anything better. So we're just not going to budge on yeah, giving Philly up anything thought, more. Philly might and have thought they had the, the upper Houston hand. Houston was just kind of like, all right, if you're going to be that stubborn about it, then screw you. We'll just go over to Brooklyn and do that. I don't know. That's fair. You know, yeah. We're all speculating based, right. based on what we've heard. but Yeah. So, yeah, I guess to transition into the actual trade, one of the things, too, that I've read a lot on kind of about the fact that they tossed this the, the Pacers into that trade so that they could send Levert Right, uh, Levert to Indy, and then get back, um, get back Victor Oladipo, of course. Uh, mainly has to do around the fact that, um, as we knew, right? I guess the owner of the Rockets is, you could say, cheap. I guess, right? Levert's younger; he had an extra two years on his contract. So why wouldn't you want to do that? It sounds like what he wants to do after this year is just essentially try a complete rebuild. Yep. Right. Cause this is Oladipo's last year. And then that money's off the books. And then you have money to work with on top of the couple draft picks you got. Do I think that's the right thing? No, because I'm higher on Karis Levert than I know Sam is Sam. You think they're, you know, Levert and Oladipo are kind of the same player, you know, it's here or there. It could be. I think. Where is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think Levert's the better player. Uh, I don't know. Right. In his chances to be the guy on a team, I feel like he's shown more than Oladipo, especially after the knee injury. Right. Um, right. Do we know? There's if a quad injury. Be? I think actually it was even quad, worse than yeah. knee injury. Honestly. Whatever. Does it, if he's? We don't know if he's going to be back to pre-injury Oladipo. He looked mm-hmm. good in his debut last night. I will he say did. that. Um, but I think a lot of that also had to do with the fact that uh, seven of his nine assists came from the greatest Rockets player now there is, Christian Wood. I think that it's like, we might as well just touch on this now. I think the Pacers did very well in this because... Great. They did great. In a vacuum, would I say that I prefer Victor Oladipo slightly over Karis Levert? I would. There's, what about... There are, 
on a place with oxygen that's not a vacuum like a basketball that's the court. thing i'm breathing right now so you know it's yeah. not true i mean there are a few players alike in this league more than these two players like they're almost the same player to me they're they both have had horrific injuries okay few players karis lavert yeah karis lavert had a terrible injury victor oldie was just coming off a quad injury they're scores slashers cutters not great shooters you know um, Victor Oladipo averaged 23, four and five and two and a half steals in his all NBA season. I could see Karis averaging something near that, you know, when he's given more of a, um, a role. I mean, from last year through the beginning of this year, he was essentially averaging the same with, I think maybe yeah. one more stock. I mean, Victor Oladipo has made an all NBA team. So I give the nod to him, but, um, and I don't know how much Karis is going to show, with the Pacers more than he already has because he's playing the same Victor role anyway. And we already said that teams run by Brogdon and Sabonis, right? So the really interesting thing though about that is uh, earlier today, um, the Pacers um, coach was talking right about Lavert, and he did mention that he sees Lavert as being anywhere, playing anywhere from the one to the four. And they never played Oladipo outside of the two, sometimes the three. So I think that's interesting that they think that they have a more versatile player Mm -hmm. in Levert than what they had with Oladipo, which I think also obviously played a factor. I I think also we should just mention, um, shout out to Karis Levert, who um, sounds like they found a mass on his kidney Mm. during like the routine, um, you know, physical, health, yeah. like physical checkup after a trade. And I was reading today that it's like he's saying being traded might have like potentially saved his life long term. Yeah. Right. Um, because he never would have known. They wouldn't have like done an MRI because mm-hmm. um, he was feeling 100% healthy and everything. So, yeah. It's obviously early. We don't know. It hasn't come back yet. That... He, he talked about it today too. He was like uh, saying that. Um, obviously, like you said, it's a blessing, but obviously he's been playing through it, right? But they don't know what they're doing now as they're testing to see if it's cancerous. He hasn't gotten it removed yet because if it's benign, I don't think you need to have it removed, but right. um, I think we should have, those results should probably be in this week, so we'll know, right? And I think if it's yeah. fine, then we should see him hopefully next week. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good so point. I almost forgot about that. For Karis, yeah. yeah. Um, but I agree. I think great move for the Pacers, it was kind of like one of those awkward situations where Oladipo was the guy and then he got injured and now he's kind of lost his, his spot. So to just have fresh body in there, who's like, you're saying about the same skill level at this point in their careers with Karis being more on the upswing and Oladipo being maybe on the decline. Um, And, you know, Oladipo's not like, the end of his career he's just had some injuries that he's still coming back from and um so yeah i think it's great for indiana they can now build with this kind of new core that they've created the last year or two um and add karis to that and i think he gives them some some extra scoring um and and playmaking too and then they don't have to rely as much on like TJ Warren to get those, like mm-hmm. to just get buckets as much when kind of Brogdon or Sabonis are just I think like a lot of people offense. are with him being out too, are kind of forgetting about 
what TJ Warren showed us in the bubble. Obviously, I don't think that's the player that he is full time, but yeah, he showed us what he can do, right? He could be the player in the playoffs that could take over. Um, I, I feel like they have four players now that are is that type of player that like could just take over a game at any time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, just to finish my thought on like, in a vacuum, Vic's is better, but I still, I think this is a win-win for both of them because I mean, Vic was gone he, he from Indiana. He was just gone. He's not going to be there next year. But yeah, they weren't going to resign him. No yeah. way he was coming back. And so they get Karis near the same player for several more years. And, and a, he wants to be there. Extremely team friendly contract. Too. Exactly. And for the Rockets, it's like, do I really want Karis for three years when he's not like a superstar and I don't have anyone else around him? I mean, maybe, I guess, but I can see where they're coming from. We're just wanting a clean house, especially now that all those picks, but so I disagree don't agree with that. I, I don't understand that at all. I think, yeah, I, I guess he doesn't fit the timeline of the rest of the team where like, he's not going to lead them to a championship with nothing else around him. But like Kyle said, it's a team friendly contract. He's a good young player. They could potentially re-sign him after the three years, like depending on how things go, mm-hmm. could be the focal point of the offense. Right. And now they're just going to get Oladipo for a year. And they had made this whole big deal about wanting to get like a star young player. So that's like their star young player. And then they're just going to let him go in a year for nothing. And so why even get him then? What's the point of acquiring that asset if – they're obviously not going to contend for anything this year and then just let him go for nothing in a year. So why do you even get him in the first place just to match the contracts? So I had to give up a pick understand. to get him too. <laughs> yeah. Why? I don't understand the motivation at all to get Oladipo when you could get Karis Silvert and keep him on a good contract and he can be like at least a player to keep them like from being terrible I think what you're what you're uh, talking about right now is one of the exact reasons that James Harden wanted to get the hell up out of there. Yeah, we that's true. Doing anything he, for him. They weren't. Right. I didn't think about the fact that they lost the that asset. Maybe they resigned Vic. I don't know. Maybe they they see him as their Maybe. future. The funny thing is, like, well, why resign Vic when were... you could have just kept Oladipo or uh, Levert for an extra two years at a cheaper contract than what yeah. you're going to have to sign Vic at? The funny thing was that. The Rockets were like, all right, we're going to get a blue chip young player back, an all NBA level young player. It's like, well, there was one there for you and you didn't take him. I mean, his name is Ben Simmons. He's 24 and just made the all NBA team. And <laughs> instead, you have Vic, who's 28, made one all NBA team, is coming off a horrific quad injury. So, I mean, overall for the Rockets, I would say I think they did fine, but I would have just rather had Ben Simmons just personally. But. I think it was a decent. Yeah, role. it's it's so hard to evaluate like the trove of picks that they got because they did get a lot of picks, and we will get into this more later. Like you mentioned, that they don't have a lot of picks because of the West Russell Westbrook deal, which, by all accounts, James Harden was the reason why they did that deal. So they're recouping some of their losses there. But it's like, what are the odds that in seven years we look back and every one of those picks? was worse than Ben Simmons. Like no player that they ever got came close to Ben Simmons. Like I think it's a pretty good chance that that happens. On the other hand, maybe they'll be able to trade those first round picks later on in a different deal, or maybe someone will pan out. Like 
it's really, it's so hard to evaluate those picks, especially that far out. And I think it's definitely risky for Brooklyn to be betting that they're still going to be good in 2027. And that first round pick isn't going to be like top five. You know? I don't think that's what they're betting, though. That's the thing. It's the same yeah, thing they with, might the, just with not the Giannis care, trade, like... or, or not the Giannis trade, the, the Drew Holiday trade. It's like, I say it all the time. If you can put yourself in the best position possible to win a championship in the small window that you have, you take it. Who cares about the future at that point? That's yeah. essentially what the team's doing, right? They're mortgaging their future on the fact that they're going to win at least one NBA title within the next two to three years. Right. Yeah, this, is a, this is a perfect transition to the next point, you guys. It's just like you're running the you're podcast. Uh, we didn't even look at this, the notes. We don't even know what the hell's going on. <laughs> I never looked at the rundown. So the next big question for this is really, you know, did the Nets boost their title odds enough to make this risk? And Easily. 538 had them at a 15% boost from yeah. where they were before. I mean, if that's true, then you do this trade every time, obviously, right? Like you only get so many chances at it. Um Let's let's take a deep look at the picks. Forget about the picks for the, you know from 2020 to 2023 because Harden, KD will still be there. They have two years left in their contract. They're still gonna be good. Let's that start was looking at funny 20. That they included they included a pick swap for this year. And it's like yeah. obviously they're not gonna swap that. The Nets pick is gonna be worse, so they're just gonna keep. Maybe they find play. a gem in the in the late the 20s, you know. Uh, so let's look at 2024 those last three picks, 24 to, or the last four picks, 24 to 2027, right? KD will be 35, Harden will be 34. So in one of those years, they'll either be gone, washed, or retired, right? You would think. Um, mm. And it's funny because... Be washed the, at 35? What's that? Retired? LeBron's still doing it. You think they're going to be washed or retired at 35? No. Well, I think this is 2024 medicine, to 2027. So the medicine and stuff that, that we have now, players are the, the the not the peak, but like the um, the usefulness of players. I think is much longer than what it was even just like ten years ago. Like I think now, like we're seeing it with LeBron, right? Obviously, he's the greatest player we've ever seen, and he's been spending all this money on himself since he's entered the league. But more players are doing that now. I think within the next I mean, like five to 10 years player, like we're going to be seeing these types of players play until they're 36, 37 at a pretty high level. I mean, even Kobe did it. I don't know. I mean, LeBron's a freak. Like Durant's going to be 38 at the end of this. Like, I don't think Durant's going to be <laughs> who he is now when he's 38, but, and plus they only have two years left on their contract. So who knows if they'll even be there. Yeah. I think the gone is much more likely than retired. I would be shocked if they were uh, Kyrie maybe because he wants to retire early. It sounds like, but I don't know. I mean, you never know with injuries, but both of those players are such good shooters. Even if their athletic ability dips a little bit, I feel like they're still going to be very high quality players, especially Durant. Like, I don't know. I don't see him. I think he'll age very gracefully, but I don't think that was the main point that you were trying to get to. Yeah. Um, and it's, but it is funny because regardless, we don't know. It's very up in the air after the first two years, especially because of the contracts. And yeah. it's funny because the Nets did this eight years ago, albeit for much uh, for players that were not at the level that Duran and Harden are now and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. And it's funny because I was just 
looking up what the players ended on the up back as. end of the career. <laughs> I was looking at what the picks ended up as, and they ended up as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I mean, <laughs> you know, if that happens for the Rockets, great. And it's like for the Nets, like, oh my God, that that trade was a huge disaster for them. But that's only because they didn't win the title. You know, if the Nets win the title after this trade, they don't care if the Rockets exactly. get a Jalen Brown and a Jason Tatum. The Celtics, it's not like the Celtics have even won a championship with those guys yet, right? So they yeah. and what do they give a shit? To be honest, it's like obviously I'm glad that we were on that side of it as a Celtics fan. And I hope that we'll have Jalen and Jason forever. But if you look at it from the franchise perspective, here we are. That trade is basically over. All those picks have gone through, and the Nets are in a better position than the Celtics are. So right. So does it really matter? Okay. Eight years later, they still have Kevin Durant, Harden, and Kyrie. So <laughs> right. So and and part of that is you know they're in Brooklyn. They can rely a little bit more on on getting free agents. So maybe that means they can be like more cavalier about giving up picks because they're like, well someone will want to come here anyways. And if we have cap space, we'll be fine. Definitely. I agree. <laughs> Did you have another question for us, Sam? Or? Yeah, I was waiting I expected for Kyle to keep talking. Here. I started chewing ice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it'll be interesting because I really do think this is like a two to three year thing. I don't, I don't, I just, I think it just is. I don't think it goes any farther than that. Um, because that's how long they have in their contracts. And I just don't, I'm not, not sure these players stay together longer than that. Um, you know, we saw Durant leave the Warriors after three years. Kyrie leaves um, LeBron after a few years. Um, we'll see how Harden fits in. But I think they really have a two to three year window to win the title, you know? Yeah. I mean, can you think of any other players who are as good on the court as these three? And who have had as many departures with other superstars or situations recently where they didn't get along with their teammates or there was some chemistry issue and they wanted to leave and be on a new team, right? We're just seeing with Harden, didn't get along with Chris Paul, was at least fine leaving Russell Westbrook, didn't get along with Dwight Howard, KD... KD left the Warriors, didn't get along with Draymond. That whole thing didn't work. Kyrie wanted to leave Cleveland, wanted his own team away from LeBron, got to the Celtics, didn't want to be there, even after he said he wanted to retire there, left. So it's like, yeah, I would definitely not bet that all three of them are going to, you know, be in it for the long haul for Brooklyn. But yeah, it may not matter. Yeah, and they might just win a couple of titles in three, four years, and then they move on, you know. And, um, yeah, this is a good transition to kind of the fit on the Nets with these three players, which I want to get into. And I'm curious what you guys think. For me, it's like offensively, no notes. I, I It's going to be great. Defensively, I have some qualms. Maybe that doesn't matter. What I really hinge on is the intangibles, like you said, and the off-the-course stuff and seeing how that goes. But I have no qualms about the fit on the, on the basketball court. What do you guys think about that? <clears throat> I'm not worried one iota of any of it. Obviously, we've seen, right, already two games of Harden and Durant, and it's been must-see TV. Like, it's just 
pure basketball bliss, at least for me, watching both of them work their magic. Um, I mean, they're the first game that they played together. They each had, hold on, I have this pulled up actually. Uh, where's their usage rates? Because it was nuts. It was insane, both of their usage. Uh, Durant with 36% and James Harden with a 37% usage rate. <laughs> no other player had more than an 11% usage rate. Um, that's exactly how it should be. Now there's going to be obviously a lot of questions. Well, where does Kyrie fit in? Again, uh, I'm not worried because they're not all three obviously going to be on the court at the same time at all times. Kyrie's going to get his, Harden's going to get his, Durant's going to get his. Not worried about it. I'm not, you know, we know who Durant is on defense. He looks like the, we've been saying it since the season started. He looks like the Durant from the Golden State Warriors. He doesn't look yes, like sir. he's ha- hampered at all by this injury that he's coming off of. Uh, James Harden is an extremely underrated defender. Everyone just likes to shit on him because, you know, they thought he was lazy early in his career with the, the Rockets. And he's not. I know Seth's laughing, whatever. But and then the pieces around them, very big fans of fan of the the defense that the surrounding players provide. Like Joe Harris, good good on ball defender, right? Good rebounder, great three point shooter. Let him just sit in the corner like he did against uh, against the Bucks last night. What he, he shot like five for seven from three. He dropped like 20-something points. I think he did that the game before, too. Uh, I think this is crazy, but Bruce Brown Jr. is an above-average defender in the NBA. He just can't do anything else on the court. <laughs> but he doesn't need to. That's the thing. Now, DeAndre Jordan, get him the hell up out of here. Yeah, that's Obviously, what I was getting to. Yeah. <laughs> people are going to say, look at the box. and be like, oh, he had a double-double against the Milwaukee. But it's like... I watched the entire game and he, I think walked into maybe eight points and seven different rebounds just because another player missed a layup. It's not because they were using him right. Or, or drawing up plays to, to get him. They weren't running a ton of pick and rolls with him or anything. He's just like standing there right outside the lane and a rebound fell in his lap. Um, so I think they could upgrade there. I don't even think they need to. They should just run a small ball lineup at all yeah. times. But um, I'm ecstatic. This is going to be incredible basketball. It's must watch. I think that um, I was just going to say quickly, DeAndre Jordan's a big one. Like when you look at their crunch time five, you got a Kyrie Harden, Durant. I think Durant should just play the five in crunch time probably. And then you should just – you need, like, a, a four, like Jeff Green, but better. Like P.J. Tucker, how we were talking about before the pod, just insert him into the, into the closing time lineup. I think you get away with that. Um, DeAndre, you cannot roll that man out in the Eastern Conference Finals. Or <laughs> So, Seth, what do you think if about this so far? That's a, oh, go ahead. As big of a fi- fan of I am of James Harden, DeAndre Jordan might be a bigger fan of Kevin Durant. <laughs> No matter what Kevin Durant does, within seconds, DeAndre Jordan has his arm around him and is cheering him on and propping him up. It's incredible. Probably thanking him for getting him onto the nuts. Yeah, exactly. yeah. All the money that he's getting, thanks to yeah. KD. Yeah. Um, well, as I think will be the theme of the rest of today's episode, I disagree with most things that Kyle said. Um, 
the thing I don't disagree with is that the Nets, I, I do think the Nets will be great offensively. Um, I don't think that there's like concerns about there's only one ball or the usage rate is too high. It's an experiment that we've never seen before with three players, I believe, who are in the top 15 all time in usage rate all on one team. So, you know, I'm guessing it'll be fine. There's a possibility that there's some negative consequences of that. Um, I don't think it's basketball bliss. Um, I didn't see their first game. I watched the whole game against the Bucks last night. Um, I don't know. It, it felt to me like, all right, Katie, your turn, this possession, come off a screen, hit a mid range. All right. Next possession, James, take a step back. All right. Next possession, Harden, we'll do something. And then Katie will do, you know, it's just kind of like your turn, my turn kind of thing. They had some really nice pick and rolls together, which set up James Harden for like wide open threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and, I think it was a little like better said, than Harden it's ball. It's going to be hard to defend. And you could argue that that type of basketball is even more needed in the playoffs. Um, but it's just not what I love to watch. I'd much rather see Marcus Smart running off of two punching players and falling over every possession. <laughs> just What's with you and Marcus Smart lately? I just know Seth loves him and I like to hate on him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't love watching him offensively. I like the, <laughs> I like the player that he is, and I cheer for him, and I love his like heart and passion that he plays with, but. You don't love his threes when there's 20 seconds left on the shot clock. <laughs> yeah, we're just envisioning my basketball bliss does not include Marcus Smart's fourth heat check three of the quarter when he missed the last three. Um, you know, I, I I like to watch like Steph coming off of two screens and getting open and um, handing the ball off and then jumping back and getting open again and. Uh, Jokic, you know, with Mm. no look passes and the 2014 Spurs, like ball movement and everything happening perfectly and timing it. So someone will be open. Um, The whole like ISO ball isn't my favorite. And to be honest, the Celtics do that way more than I would like as well, especially when Kemba is healthy. Oftentimes it's like Kemba, Tatum and Brown kind of trade off like, all right, your turn to go ISO, see if you can score kind of thing. And I don't love to watch that, but I think it will be effective because those players are so good. Um, I, I think I would try to get a big man who's an upgrade from Jordan. I think. Um, like Jared Allen. <laughs> Jared Allen would be nice. They should look into that. Uh, <laughs> I think if you're thinking ahead to the playoffs, it's like, who's going to guard Giannis? Who's going to guard Embiid? Who's going to guard Jokic or Davis? If either That's of true. them are in the finals. That's true. Maybe PJ's um, not up to that, huh? <laughs> yeah. And we saw like, you know, part of the reason why the heat were so good last year is because they have Bam and Bam can guard any of those big men. And he can also switch onto smaller players and he, you know, contributes so much to them on offense, um, scoring and playmaking. So that's part of the worry that I have, again, with the Celtics is like, we have Tristan Thompson, which is honestly probably an upgrade from last year. 
um, but he's limited offensively. So obviously it's not like any player can, or any team can just say, all right, let's go get Bam and then we'll be fine. Like that's just a weakness. Every team has some weaknesses. That's probably one that they'll try to overcome and we'll see, but I wouldn't say like, Oh, that doesn't matter. They'll just play small ball because as good as Kevin Durant is and as tall as he is, I don't think he has the physicality to match up with any of those dominant bigs. And yeah. And then I also think there were lots of defensive breakdowns against the Bucks last night. And like you were saying, Kyle, they had some horrible uh, plays down the stretch yesterday where Chris Middleton was just taking like a contested step back three in, in crucial moments. And I think if the Bucks had uh, better, better efficiency or execution in the last couple possessions, obviously they easily could have won that game. And leading up to that in the last two minutes, they got a lot of easy buckets. There was one where like just no one guarded Giannis and he just walked right down the lane and dunked. And it was like, was, did anyone think that they maybe should pick him up or, and obviously it's early. We'll see what happens. A lot of things can change. Um, Maybe they'll play defense when it counts, but um, I think a lot of people make a lot about James Harden being, well, he's an underrated post defender. It's like, yeah, you know, two, three times a game, there's a mismatch. He is switch and he does better than you would think a guard would do guarding in the post, but especially in crunch time, I still don't think he like fights over screens or like cuts off when his man doesn't back uh, backdoor cut. Like he usually lets him go or maybe not usually, but more often than a good defender would. So I don't know. I, I don't really buy into that James Harden is an underrated defender. Um, and a lot of that is about effort. And maybe he'll try more now that he's in a happier situation. Or maybe it'll seem like he's trying because he's new and trying to make a good impression. And then by the end of the season, he'll go back to his usual habits. Find out. Yeah, so I'm going to jump in, Kyle, before you jump back in. Um, honestly, offensively, I am dare I say I agree with Kyle. Maybe it's not bliss, but I do like that. I like Harden and Durant together because it's like Harden has to do more off ball and less isolation than he did in the Rockets. And so does Durant because Durant didn't like, especially without Kyrie, it was just a lot of isolation with him. So it's at least toned down than they would be in two separate places. Okay, so that's I, I kind of like that. Um but I do think both offensively and defensively we're kind of in the newlywed phase where Harden's like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fight over this pick and on defense. And then like on offense, he's like, Oh, let me like, uh, <laughs> let me cut here. But and so we'll see if that keeps up. Um, I think that, so I was kind of looking into this. There's really no precedent for a bad defensive team winning the championship. Now there's also no precedent for three guys as good on offense being together, but I was trying to look, you know, in the recent history, I thought, oh, maybe the 2016 Cavs, right? Well, they were a 10th in defensive efficiency. I just don't – if you don't have a top 10 defense, I just don't see how you're winning the title. Um, and maybe they will round into that. You know, KD is certainly a very versatile defender. They pick up someone at the deadline who's a good defender. Maybe that happens. Um, it's going to be tough, I think, in the playoffs. KD's going to have to guard the best player on the other team, right? I mean, he's going to have to guard the LeBrons, the Giannis's, um of the world. So that may be tough. Um, but I think it does really come down to that offensively. They're great. 
defensively, can they get, you know, to the top 10 or close? And then I think we are looking at a championship t- caliber team here. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree that they need to be a top 10 defensive team, but either way, their offensive firepower is better than any teams in the league when they're, I think, fully healthy. And I mean, I guess we haven't seen it right to, they're not even fully healthy all on the court <laughs> um, together, but in terms of the isolation stuff, I think, so I guess in my opinion, I love watching that because it's like one player against one player and that player is saying, I know you can't guard me. And I like to see them assert that dominance with the different techniques and moves and ways to get to the basket or ways to draw fouls and whatnot. And you have, I think probably the three best isolation players in the NBA on one team. And at that point, I, I will put money on any one of them to be able to beat any other player one-on-one, first of all. And second of all, if you choose then to double them, that's two to three other players or, or like you're leaving one player open. Do you want to leave Kyrie open? No. Do you want to leave Harden open? No. Do you want to leave Joe Harris open? No. It's like, Andre? <laughs> yes. Unless he's two feet let him roam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you could force DeAndre out into the perimeter though, then we might have a problem. <laughs> but yeah, that's like, that's part why the fit is so smooth on offense is because these are three elite shooters. We haven't really seen that with any of the, any of the big threes, except for the, the Steph Clay um, Durant thing. But it's like, you know, Bosch, Wade, LeBron, not, you know, not three elite shooters. Um, KG obviously didn't shoot threes. So it's interesting that like, these are three of the best shooters in the game. And that really just makes it seamless in offense. Like you said, you can't double one of them because what are you going to leave the other one open? And they could literally just do ISO. One of the three of them could just do ISO every possession, and that would be a great offense. I mean, or, Bosch, Wade, and LeBron were all very good shooters. You weren't going to leave them and say, all I right, mean, I Wade doesn't. Wade is a really bad three point shooter. He doesn't yeah, shoot them at all. Say, yeah, he's, he's a mid raid facade, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's that a word? What word am I thinking of? Savant, uh, Savant, Savant yeah. yeah. What the fuck did I say? Vassant. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm. Yeah, you didn't say three point shooter. You said shooter, and you're. I'm just saying you're not like. Okay, I'm going to leave Dwayne Wade open. You know. But yeah, I mean, you're they, not, It's yeah. definitely a different, different type of makeup than those three. I just feel like that's like a huge question we often have when we pair stars here. Is like, can they both shoot? And you know, that's not something we have to worry about here. I guess is my point there. Mm-hmm. But um, we should hit on Kyrie the Kyrie aspect of this all because he has not been with the team, although he's returning soon, may already be back with them. Um, I think that's the real wild card, especially like the intangibles we were talking about. If he's okay being the third banana basketball wise should be great. Um, it seems like he left to do some social justice stuff, which is great. Think, yeah. Everything I think is affecting uh, he uh, had a, I don't know if, did you guys see it earlier today? Um, he had like a, not a full press conference for himself, but he was there for reporters today and they were asking him questions. Seth, you're shaking your head. You saw that, right? Yeah, I saw the headline. I was going to look at it right now. Yeah. So uh, they kind of asked him what's with the step away, you know, why step away from the team for a while? And essentially, it was just like, you know, there's so much stuff going on in this world and a lot of people don't know me a lot of people don't get to know me outside of the basketball court uh, there's not a ton of people that I share my experiences with outside of the basketball court either and 
the stuff that's going on really affects me. His, he's like, mental health is a big thing in this world. And a lot of people don't think about that with NBA players. And that's the main reason I stepped away is I needed to clear my head. There's so much stuff going on that I don't agree with. Um, and to be able to be the best player that I could be on the court, I need to be at peace with myself outside the court, which, you know, everyone obviously, you know, wants to go back to, oh, Kyrie's got problems. He's one of the biggest proponents of social justice, I think, in the NBA, but he's quiet about it. He's not yeah. extremely vocal. Yeah. He's not like Jalen Brown vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just a different guy, right? I mean, he, he definitely has some mental issues, which he's been open about. And, um, and like, you know, if he says, like, you know, this is bigger than basketball, of course it is. Like, if he retired today to, to focus on social justice, I'd be like, great, you know, like, that is obviously way more important than basketball. Um, but he didn't say anything to the team or anything, it seems like, which is my only qualm about it, right? It's like, if I leave work, you know, if I take a mental health day or I just feel like I, you know, I need a break, I got to tell my job, right? So that's the only thing that makes it hard on his teammates. But he's just a different guy and he he's, he's going to do that. And I mean, more props to him for and being involved in all those things. It's just like, when you don't keep your team in the loop, that's going to be tough for them, you know, moving forward. Yep. Did you guys see his, uh, they put out kind of a, a list of his contributions over the last calendar year of everything that he's contributed to and done. It's pretty outstanding. Like a lot of it, I didn't even know about. Well, he paid WNBA players, right. For the one and a half million dollars yep. to WNBA players that opted out the last season he bought a home off. for George Floyd's family. Yep. Paid off the college tuition of nine uh, students from Lincoln U- University, which is a historically black college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he donated 17 pallets of food and masks to uh, a Indian tribe. Uh, partnered with uh, another uh, program in Brooklyn to give 250,000 meals to uh, New Yorkers. And then on top of that, donated another $323,000 to Feeding America, all in the last 365 days. <laughs> yeah, and, like, he's a great guy in the community. Like, he's um, – I, I really give him props for doing that. And it's just something the Nets are going to have to – and I think that's part of the reason they made this trade, right, for Harden is kind of – he's Kyrie insurance, right? You know, they don't know what's going on with Kyrie if he, if he wants to be doing things other than basketball – okay, well, now we at least have Harden with Durant and we're not wasting another Durant year, right? Yeah. So I think that was part of the calculus for them. Yeah, I agree. Wow. Well, the last thing I want to talk about in the Harden trade is... Flips the page. (laughs) Dramatic. I mean, we got to talk about... We got to talk about stars demanding trades and where the NBA is at now because... Seemingly, that's all we do, and that's all any social, any any media platform does. Um, listen, I'm going to list you since 2018, three years ago, how many players have changed teams. Are you ready? Sure. LeBron, Durant, Kawhi, AD, Paul George, Westbrook, Irving, Harden. So those are like the top 15 players in the NBA. 
And then we go down a level, Oladipo, Kemba, Horford, Blake, D'Angelo Russell, you know, not all of those were their choices, obviously. So, you know, that's 10 to 15 players that are all in different places just since three years ago. Right. And something, something is happening here in the league, you know, whether we, whether we like it or not. Um, so I guess, how do you guys feel about that? Do you feel that, I mean, Harden obviously mailed it in the last three weeks. We know that. But um, he didn't. He did. He, if you watch the game, he no wasn't different. trying at all. <laughs> His stats were no different. I don't care about the stats. You can still get stats if you're a great player without trying. <laughs> like he, he was not doing anything on defense. Like when he didn't have the ball, he just sat there. Like he was just, you see that one pass he threw to John Wall where he wanted John Wall to come out and get it. And he didn't. So he just threw it like 10 feet away from him. Like, and listen, a couple years ago, last year, Anthony Davis literally sat out games, right? He just didn't play. And obviously we weren't happy about that at the time either. So I guess, how do you feel about this scenario? Do you think, you know, are you okay with what Harden did and what Anthony Davis did? Seth, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, to, to just respond to that last thing. His stats were completely different. He averaged 24 a game compared to 34 last year. So I think, yeah, I'm not, I'm agreeing with Sam. I think he, there was a clear, um, any way you look at it, difference in his effort on the court. Um, I think overall, like, I don't really have a big problem that star players are moving around more than in the past. Um, And we talked about this on on another podcast when I was talking about with the analogy to the office where it's like, I feel like Harden was kind of like Josh Porter on the office where, yes, I think people should be able to decide where they want to work. And they, everyone has the, the right should have the right to be in a workplace where they enjoy themselves and where they enjoy their work. But if you're going to be like Josh Porter and have the organization do everything around you and then leverage that to go work somewhere else, I think it's kind of a dick move. Um, So my perspective on this Harden thing is that, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm happy for him. He's in Brooklyn. It seems like he's happier now. Um, The Houston owner by all accounts sucks. Maybe it was as simple as, okay, Maury's gone, D'Antoni's gone, new owner, he sucks, get me out of here. Like, I think you should have some onus to be able to do that. Um, and, But I also think like, <clears throat> if you look at the, the situation in Houston where basically since he got there and as he's blossomed into a star on the court, he's been giving so much control over the franchise, um, both on the court and their style of play where like we talked about usage rate earlier, all the offense goes through him. He does everything and people's role on the team is to stand in the corner and wait for, you know, Harden to pass the, the ball or whatever. Um, and it, from what we can tell, you know, not that the three of us are NBA insiders, but from what we've what? read from other people, 
Harden w- played a big role in the personnel decisions of the team. And he wanted them to get Russell Westbrook because he didn't get along with Chris Paul. That was clearly a bad decision for the team. Um, they had to give up assets to get Westbrook and he was worse than Chris Paul. <clears throat> and Harden has not gotten along with the other star players in the team. Dwight Howard seems like that's more of a Dwight issue than anything, but you would, you would hope that he'd be able to coexist with CP three, I think is the main one. And like maybe Ross wasn't good enough on the court anyway, so it doesn't matter. And then I think there was this narrative and maybe it's not Harden's fault that this narrative is what came of it, but you had in his last days in Houston, he had this press conference where he said, we're just not good enough. And this team is not good enough to contend for a title. And clearly other players at least interpreted that as disrespectful to them or, you know, DeMarcus cousins was saying that, yeah, from day one, he's been disrespectful to the team and he, you know, didn't show up to training camp on time. He's partying without a mask, you know, during a pandemic that's not what Boogie Cousins said, but, um, <laughs> and yeah, it's like, he's not trying, he's not being a good leader. And it's, it feels like he's saying, well, this team's not good enough. I'm going to go somewhere else. It's like my perspective. And we talked about this before with Giannis being in this position as well. It's like, yeah, the team's not good enough because you don't perform well when the team needs you the most. And we can talk about, you know, playoff averages, which for him are still good. He averages whatever it was, 28 points in the playoffs or something. By an NBA player's standards, it's really good. But when the whole offense is revolving around you, you would hope that that player at least performs as well as they do in the regular season, which James Harden just doesn't. And even it's even worse um, than that drop-off when you look at, like, a pivotal pivotal game so i went back and looked the playoffs i did the same thing like well you can fill in the gaps if if you look at since he got to houston 2013 his first year i think 13 and 14 you can kind of give him a pass he's it's his first couple years as like the the go-to player i agree i started in 15 okay so 13 he lost in round one to okc he shot 31% in the last game. Not great, but what I've 14 lost in round one to Portland. Okay. So 2015, that was the year of the famous Josh Smith game um, where Harden is on the bench with a towel on his head and the team is down by whatever, like 20 or whatever. And then Josh Smith and, uh, and Corey Brewer, like bring the team back. And then they got eliminated the next round Game five, James Harden has a record 13 turnovers. He's two from 11 from the field. 2016. I would also just say in game two of that series, when they were down 2-0 to the Warriors in a pivotal game three, he was three for 16. Yeah. 2016, he actually played okay. He lost to the Warriors. That's the 73-win team. You know, he's probably just doesn't have the, the manpower to win that game. He was really bad in game four. Um, and they lost in five games. So that was a pretty pivotal game. And he was four for 13. Um, I don't know. But you know what? 73 win Warriors. We'll give him a pass on that one. Whatever. 
Yeah. Next year, he loses to Spurs in round two without Kawhi and without Tony Parker. Game two, he was three for 17. Game six, he was two for 11. Seems like there's a pattern developing here. 2018. That was the game too, right? On that Spurs game is maybe the worst because maybe he was injured. People were like, is he concussed? Like, he he wasn't wasn't touching the ball. Yeah. He wasn't right. (laughs) Something wasn't right there. Yeah. And yeah, we, I mean, we're just speculating because there was nothing after that that we heard like that he did have an injury or whatever. 2018, that was the year where, all right, this team is the best team that Houston's ever, you know, had since Hakeem. And they're like knocking on the door. They're going to beat the Warriors. Chris Paul gets injured. All right. So you've got one game. It's game seven. All you need to do is win this one game to beat the Warriors fulfill your destiny and Harden shot two for 13 from three and 12 for 29 overall and biggest game of his career. And he played very poorly. Um, 2019 lost in round two to golden state played. Okay. Golden state didn't have KD. It wasn't this super juggernaut team and Houston just wasn't good enough. I mean, he shot, yeah, 11 for 25 in game six. And it was like, this is your chance. KD went down. You can beat this team. I remember, actually, we were texting during that game when KD got injured. And and Kyle was all like, this is the year for the Rockets. And then KD got injured. And and Kyle's like, (laughs) we don't don't want to win like this. We don't want to win when KD's out. We want to (laughs) win, like, against full strength. And it was like, well, you can't win even without KD either. And then last year, you know, it was in the bubble. It was also the year with the outrageous fourth quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, when they when they shot like uh, they couldn't make a single three or whatever. I think they went scoreless for like, wasn't it? Maybe both. Oh yeah, I think that was that was twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen, I think. Yeah, that was that game seven when Chris Paul was out. I think they went like. Oh yeah, yeah. it was the Chris Paul. Yeah. yeah. And then last year in the bubble with his other other players, they win game one and then. He's basically non-existent after that. He shoots two for 11 in game four. And it, he, you get the feeling he's like, all right, this, is, this team's not good enough. We can't beat the Lakers, whatever. So even in game seven versus OKC, he went four for 15, but saved the game with a block at the end of all things. Right, in, in round one, right? It's yeah. like, yeah. And he, he, oftentimes he does okay in first rounds in the playoffs. Yeah. But it's like, all right, he had, like, arguably his best defensive play ever, and that's what he needed to beat Lou Dort and the Oklahoma City Thunder with basically just Chris Paul and a bunch of young players. And, like, you know, he escaped by the skin of his teeth. To be Um, fair, Lou Dort was the best player on the court, as he is on many courts. Right. So I think – if that's your playoff resume and the team has done everything to cater to your every whim and then to just say, all right, trade me and I'm not going to show up to camp on time and I'm going to be, you know, reckless in the midst of a pandemic and, um, and then not try on the court. I think that's just, it's just not what I look for in a player and it's not, qualities that I admire in in basketball players and I think you know you compare that to Anthony Davis 
who I think also like deserves some criticism for the way things went when he was leaving and he, he sat out games at the end of his tenure in new Orleans. Um, but I just feel like he was much more justified in um, wanting, like wanting to leave. And why? Because from what we can tell, again, because they couldn't put a team around him to even make the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, The the organization like was making the decisions. They um, didn't support him with much talent, and uh, it wasn't it was the team that drafted him and it wasn't that he had the keys to the castle and he was making all the decisions and the whole offense was built around him. He's just out there trying to do his best. He spent seven years grinding for the team. He does extremely, he elevates his game in the playoffs when they do make it 2015. Um, he, in the, in the last game that they lost, he had 36 and 11 on 70% shooting. 2018 in the elimination game, he had 34 and 19 on 50% shooting and three blocks in each of those games. Right. It's like Anthony Davis is out there like, all right, I'm doing everything I can. And this organization is just incompetent. And I feel like that's in stark contrast to James Harden, where he's like choosing the direction of the organization and coming up short for what he contributes um, and, and yeah, you know, Davis was in a situation where, you know, the way the contracts are structured, you're pretty much going to be, if you're a star player, you're going to be there for the first seven years of your career. And then he wanted to leave. Whereas Harden, um, you know, cho- I forget when he signed the last contract extension a couple years ago, but mm-hmm. it felt more like he had the intention to stay in Houston. Um, And yeah, so ultimately maybe we're splitting hairs and like both guys are just trying to be where they want to be and things change over time. And you can't predict that Daryl's going to leave and the Tillman Fertitta is going to come in and be an ass and, um, you know, Harden got what he wanted and Houston, like gets a bunch of picks out of it. So where's the harm done? Um, But I think my biggest kind of complaints with Harden and why I don't really like him as a player is uh, the pandemic part of it and that he's shown that he's not reliable in the playoffs. And maybe he'll, this is my last point here, maybe he actually realizes that he knows himself that he can't come through in the playoffs. So that's why he's like, you know what? I got to go play with KD because he's really good in the playoffs and that way I can win and I'd like to win. And I know that I can't do it because I'm not good enough. Um, yeah. I don't know. Kyle rebuttal. <laughs> no, I mean, I've given my, my opinion on this tons of times too, you know, it's I don't find it extremely dissimilar from the the uh, Anthony Davis force force out of New Orleans at least Harden still played maybe he didn't give his full effort but he still maybe showed he up says. and he still played <laughs> right yeah 
I just like it's a different era. I don't mean it's going to happen more and more. You know, we either have to get used to it. Um, that's going to sound terrible. I'm right next to the heater. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like, th- you know, this is interesting too. Um, I don't know how much more we have to say on this whole situation, but it kind of can bridge us to the the next part of this. We're seeing this now, I think, in, uh, in the NFL. Um, you know, I feel like the player empowerment thing is not uh, a big talking point in the NFL, but I think it's going to be after this year, especially with everything that's happening also in Texas with Houston mm-hmm. and Deshaun Watson. I think yeah. he's kind of going to be the first player to be, be like the demanding of, you know, first star player. That's like, if the organization isn't going to be uh, with me, then I don't want to be with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the NBA's player empowerment movement is starting to go into other sports now. Um, and we're going to see it within the next two to three years in every, every major sport. It's going to be demanding, you know, having star players demanding, you know, trades and such, even when they're in the first, second year of their, their huge contracts. If, if they're not getting what they want after they're getting paid as much as they are, they're out. So the last, I just want to wrap up the Harden thing before we go to the NFL. It's um, just last on this. Um, it's funny that you said that, said that the two things for you are the pandemic and the playoffs, because I literally had written down here, the two inexcusable things are his playoff resume and big games and parting mask list in a pandemic <laughs> for me, <laughs> everything else. It's like, maybe it's a slightly different situation than Anthony Davis. I don't like either one, but whatever. Um, but those are definitely the two things that irk me about this situation. Um, but as far as the playoffs go, like you said, KD is the one taking those shots now, or KD can can help take that load, right? Hopefully for them. So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm not saying KD is going to take every big shot, but he can. Kyrie. Harden, Harden has a four for thirteen night. You have KD on your team, right? So and should Kyrie. be the perfect scenario. <laughs> Kyle just unmutes himself to say Kyrie and then himself <laughs> again. So yeah. Kyrie hit a very big shot in the, the championship. Exactly. One, so exactly. So could be the perfect situation. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But let's wrap up the pod with a quick NFC AFC championship game preview for the NFL. Let's start with treat. I isn't it a little treat? It's like having a little <laughs> ice cream sundae at the end of the pod. Uh Let's start with the Bucks at the Packers, the five seed Bucks marching into Lambeau to play the one seed Packers at 2.05 on Sunday. Packers are favorites by three. I already know Kyle's going to pick the Bucks. Um, it's Tom Brady. <laughs> He's already nodding yes. It's Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I've heard of him. It's what we all him. wanted, right? No. Um, how do you guys see this game playing out? Seth, we'll start with you. Well, first of all, I did not want this. So Well, you wanted Vikings, Seahawks, but Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would have only happened in the Super Bowl, but yeah. <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean So I went three for four um over the weekend. I expected the Saints to beat the Bucks. I was incorrect. Um but I just don't see a path, a realistic path 
for the Bucks to beat the Packers. I think the Packers are better than the Bucks at basically everything. Um, and I think Aaron Rodgers is on a different plane than Tom Brady at this stage of his career. Um, it pains me to say that because I hate the Packers more than any team in the NFL, but I haven't really understood the hate on Aaron Rodgers the last year or two. Um, certainly it, during this season, like he's been amazing and he's you know, one of the best quarterbacks ever. As is Tom Brady. In the league. Well, yeah, Tom Brady's the best quarterback in history, but he's Al also has been spending the entire time how Brady sucks, so I don't know where he's coming from here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his resume does speak for itself, though. But, yeah, I really thought he was washed coming into this year. He's proving Are you admitting wrong. you're wrong? Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing right now? I was <laughs> not expecting this. Is this a sport ball first? Write that down, everyone. That's <laughs> the real treat of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I disagree that the Packers are better everywhere on the field. Um I don't think that their defense is good by any means. The Bucks, I think, have one of the most underrated defenses in the league. I'm sure Sam's going to hit me with their DVOA here in a second. It's um, second. <laughs> exactly. So it's not even underrated, probably. Um, <laughs> like, Devin White, he showed up last week. Um, he's been showing up all season. He's a stud. And Antoine Winfield Jr. was the steal of the draft for, it's for like Seth's this year. grandson, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is. Antoine Winfield Sr. is like a son to me. So Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, their defense, I think, is loaded. Um, right. They're, right. Obviously, Rodgers has some other weapons, but no one, obviously, on the level of Devontae. Um, I still think, though, offensively, the Bucks have more weapons to work with. Um so I'm going to side with – so another funny thing, too, is, like, we always want to talk about how LeBron can carry any team in the playoffs in the NBA, but now we're talking about the greatest football player or quarterback to ever play the game, and we want to say that it's not – you know, he can't carry the team against uh, Aaron Rodgers and a, a much worse defense. Um I mean, it's completely different. One quarterback can't carry a team in the same way as LeBron can, you know? You, you sure say this can. all the time. But you say they, just no, they, one... they certainly can. Have you seen yeah. the, the team? You're that the one that Tom... always says quarterback is just one position and that everything else matters. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, I disagree with both of you somehow. <laughs> I think quarterbacks can definitely carry a team. And... I don't think I've ever said that a quarterback can't carry a team. Well, you were, when we were saying Rams versus Seahawks and it was like Russell Wilson versus Wolford, you're like, well, you know, the quarterback's only one position, which I agree. Definitely in football, it's way different than basketball, you know? I disagree. I think, if anything, a quarterback can carry a team more than one player can in basketball. I mean, Really? Yeah. Well, how come Deshaun Watson hasn't carried the Texans to the playoffs? How come How come? Um, he has Rogers carried them to the playoffs, just not this year. How come Bradley Beal hasn't carried his team to the playoffs? How come Anthony Davis? Well, Bradley Beal isn't LeBron. LeBron is analogous to Aaron Rodgers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and the Packers are always good because Aaron Rodgers is always good. He's won one Super Bowl though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The argument isn't that Aaron Rodgers is better than than LeBron, but I think 
if you're going to say, well, LeBron can do it. So why can't this person, like most people aren't going to measure up. But I think when you look at like the number of teams where, okay, if they didn't have like, I think maybe they're on par, right? If you say, all right, take LeBron off the Lakers, Lakers are like a bad team. Then You take Mahomes off the Chiefs, the Chiefs are a bad team. You take Rodgers off the Packers, they're a bad team, right? They're like a, a below average team. Anyways, I don't I know. I think we're all pretty much agreeing, honestly, now yeah, that we've we talked more about it. Scheme <laughs> is also much more important than football than it is basketball, which is yeah. probably where you're co- my basis on what you, you are saying yeah, that I've said yeah. before comes from. I think we can agree on that. What I don't understand, like, it seems like what Kyle is saying is that Tom Brady is so good, he can carry his team past Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I also think Tom Brady has better weapons to work with, and he has a better defense on his side. Yeah. I just like and that. He's like, an all-around better team. I feel like Aaron Rodgers is, like, three or four tiers higher than Tom Brady right now the way they're playing this Check year. the receipts on our so. tears podcast yeah right and i'm saying now come playoff time tom's delivered i think i'm kind of as somewhere he, in between i should have knew he, he would have i think i'm somewhere in between you two guys well first of all i'd like to say it's truly a delight to come on to the next podcast after in the previous one kyle picked the washington football team to beat tom brady for him i only did super bowl <laughs> i only is, did i only did delight. that on the podcast Look at the receipts everywhere outside of this podcast. I did not pick them. <laughs> oh, you're lying to our listeners, basically. Yeah, which is someone has to be the contrarian despicable. here. <laughs> someone um, has to. And secondly, I think I'm somewhere in between you guys. I do see a path for the Bucks to win, but I do expect the Packers to win. Um, I would not be shocked if the Bucks won, but I do think the Packers are somewhat of a of a juggernaut. Um, I think they have been underrated all year. I don't understand why. Um, like Seth said, I hate to say it, but I think they're the second or third best team in the in the NFL besides the, the two teams over on the other on the AFC side. So <clears throat> I do expect them to win this game. Um, the Bucks had a great win last week, but Noodle Arm Drew Brees is not the same as Aaron Rodgers, and I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to throw him two picks as Brees did in what may be his final game. And certainly the Packers don't have to put in a different quarterback when they want to throw over 30 yards like the Saints do. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it'll be a good matchup and I, but I do expect the Packers to come up on top here. So, but it's, it's very interesting. Both the lines for both these games are just three. And yeah, Tampa Bay's going to by a touchdown or more. So, okay. So, <laughs> but yet they're going to lose in the first round to the worst team that has seen the playoffs in years. Inconsistency. <laughs> It's outrageous. <laughs> I can adapt with what, what I'm given. That's all this, this is showing. Yeah, because he's so good at admitting when he's wrong. That's why he's, <laughs> why he's like this. I did um, it. I just did it 10 minutes ago. Yeah. So this is interesting, like, just odds-wise. Like, both home teams are favored by three, which means Vegas – or they're setting the line as if both teams are even completely, right? Um and you look at all the Super Bowl odds, they're all pretty much similar for who's going to win the Super Bowl, ranging from like plus 200 to plus 400. So I think we have a very even final four and probably the final four that we all want to see, right? I mean, Seth notwithstanding, we all want to see Bill's Chiefs, right? 
I did want to. We see can't those. ask for better than Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, unless it's of course Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins. <laughs> oh, that are his name. So let's move on to the speaking of this the other game, the number two Bills at the number one Chiefs, five forty Sunday. Chiefs, as previously mentioned, are also favored by three. It, this all really depends on Patrick Mahomes' health, which it seems like he's going to play. Um, I mean, they set it the line as if he's going to play. Yeah, it, was it a wasn't a concussion. It was a nerve issue, which pretty scary as well. Um, but it does he's seem like he's going to play go in this unmute. game. What's that, Kyle? The heat is off. I can go unmute. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of just act like he's playing in this game, which I think he will. Um, this is going to be a real, real barn burner. I think, um, these might be the two best teams in the NFL, right guys? I mean, certainly I would have thought that coming into the playoffs. So what do you think is going to happen in this game, Kyle? This is going to be an interesting one. It's two teams that, uh, don't choose to run the ball if they don't have to, but at the same time, we have seen Andy Reid switch up his play style against teams that can't defend the run, which is exactly who the Bills are. Um, So we might see something crazy and see a much more even game plan of like a 50-50 split between run and pass uh, from the Chiefs side. And I think they're going to rely on that a lot more than – what people think that, you know, everyone's going to expect this to be some crazy 40 to 37 shootout or something, but I could easily see it too. However, I also think the chiefs dominate this time of possession in this game. Um, You know, Andy Reid's no dummy. I wouldn't want to have give Josh Allen the ball as much as I could prevent him to have it. Right. So I think we're going to see a lot more out of the run game from the Chiefs. Um, and I th- think this is a, a lower scoring game than people think. I still think it, what's the total at like 50 something, 54. Be, I haven't looked. Uh, that's probably right around. I, I could see it in mid twenties. Yeah. And I, I think, right. It ends up being like a 27, 24 type game. I'm going to, I'm going to take the Chiefs, but I could easily also see the bills winning this, but we have seen Josh Allen make some, stupid mistakes still in terms of trying to force balls places where he shouldn't. That's not (laughs) any kind of joke. Uh, But um, I I think, I think the chiefs get it done, but I do think it's a close game. Seth. Yeah. I think I kind of agree with Kyle. Um, It all depends on how Mahomes is feeling um, with the toe. Didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he also like break his big toe? Something's going on. Yeah, I don't know if we ever like got like, jammed it or something. Okay. Yeah. Um. But it's also like, yeah, I could see this being one of those like, I don't know, flu game esque type performances where Mahomes just balls out, even though there's questions of his he'll be able to play. Um but I could also see him being hampered and not quite being, you know, being at 70%. And that's, that's what the bills need to take advantage of. Um, I like both these teams a lot. Uh, I think it'll be a fun game. I, I wish we were seeing both teams at full strength and it was, it, it, 
you know, and maybe we will, maybe we will, but um, I'm excited for the game. I like, I like both these teams. This is, I told Sam at the beginning of the playoffs, like I just, it would be so awesome if we could see Bill's chiefs in the, in the conference championship. So I'm glad we made it there. Um, and I think it'll really come down to how, how good Mahomes is. And I think fully healthy, the chiefs are just a better team and they have the experience and, um, you know, they've, they've shown it to us already. So I would ordinarily pick the chiefs and I think I still will. I gotta say, I'm going to make it three for three. And this is a landmark really for this podcast. Setting as well. a lot of records on this episode. Yeah. Uh, I was literally going to say like 27, 24 is how I see this game playing out. So Kyle, maybe we should just bet that exact score. Um, <laughs> That'd be wild. Yeah. I think, I think this will be a close game. I think the chiefs prevail and I don't know. What do you think is the most fun Super Bowl? Cause I would love to see Mahomes Rogers. Um, but Mahomes Brady is also great. Right. And the Bills are a great story, of course. Here, yeah, any Super Bowl I think of out of these four is, yeah, going to be one of the should be one of the best Super Bowls we've seen in recent years. Yeah, I agree. This is going to be really interesting week too, in, in terms of our not that our listeners care, but the uh, our our playoff fantasy matchups that we got. I'm ext- a lot of it, pretty much everyone either has Patrick Mahomes or if they don't, they have Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I have neither. So if Tyreek Hill can go crazy this week, I get such a big leg up that. And I'm the only player person that played Tom Brady. I think everyone else picked like Chris Godwin or something, or they didn't pick anyone because they didn't think the Bucks were going to No, everybody got... has four. Everyone has four players left. So everyone has a player from all these teams. I'm extremely different with, <laughs> so I need a big Tom Brady game and a big Tyreek game. Bold of you to pick Tom Brady as your fantasy quarterback after picking them to lose the first game. But Only yeah, on the podcast. <laughs> I had to throw you all off my scent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be a great weekend of football. And like you said, any of these Super Bowl matchups, I would be very excited to see. So we're looking forward to watching the Nets for the rest of the season and watching the <laughs> the rest of the NFL playoffs. And the Lakers blow it to uh... – Shitty teams like the Warriors. <laughs> that was a great game, too. We really got really good MLK games yesterday. That was nice. It was a good mat. It was a good uh, good slate of games. Well, we did it. We aired all our grievances. I We're feel better different. Men for Do you guys it. feel different? I can't wait for Tom Brady to just demolish Aaron Rodgers. I never know with you. I just, I mean, I did know you're going to pick the bucks because I, but I just never know at the same time. Honestly, why. I just, what I hate is that now I'm going to be cheering for the Packers because I just want to prove Kyle wrong. And I fucking <laughs> hate the Packers. He has you in a corner. You fool. <laughs> really just my mind games are on another level this year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes our pod. Any final thoughts, boys? Never. Good. No. See you then.